Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. You know, every day on I Work For Him, we try to tackle a topic, a little different angle on how we connect our faith to our work. And today will be no different. Let's talk about pain. Pain in your life. How does God use it for good when it seems so ugly at the time? Why does God choose one kind of pain over another? Why does God choose one of us to to have more pain than another? Is pain God's fault or God's tool or God's gift? Each one of us will experience some sort of pain in our lives. Many of you listening today have experienced pain in lots of different ways. But how is God using that pain? In, In my short 50 years of my life, I've seen that God never wastes any pain in our lives. I have seen that God uses adversity in our lives to take us from who we are to who he can use more effectively. And that's my very simple view of that. I've not been through extraordinary pain. I've had a lot of friends that have been through extraordinary pain. And what I've seen is that if they embrace God in the middle of that journey, their lives are like a glowing ember of light with wind blowing on it, that that everybody around them is infected by God's work in their lives, whether they're on a deathbed with cancer or, or whatever it may be. Today, we have joining us in studio, United States, United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Karen Mertes. She's got an organization, fulfillyourdestiny.org, Fulfill Your Destiny. You're going to hear about today, and you're going to hear Karen's amazing story of God's work in her life that really took a turn, and you need to hear that story. Karen Mertes, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you for having me on the show today, Jim. You know, our good friend and a common friend, Connie Smith, who is now part of the I Work For Him team, she is in the studio with us today. We'll be hearing from Connie at the bottom of the half hour, but she told me about you many, many months ago. you got to get Karen on the air. you got to get Karen on the air. Why don't we just start off with what happened on February the 7th, 2007? Absolutely, Jim. You know, that was the day that forever changed my life's path. I was serving at McDill Air Force Base, and I was driving the speed limit on I-75 right outside of Brandon, Florida, when I was struck at 7.20 p.m. by a drunk driver that was traveling literally over 100 miles per hour. And he had a blood alcohol level of .221, which is nearly three times the legal limit. Both cars were totaled. My axle snapped in half and was pushed into my transmission, which caused my brakes and steering to fail. And my vehicle's undercarriage dragged, creating sparks for a distance the equivalent of three football fields. The smell of burning rubber was absolutely horrifying as I had a full gas tank and I worried that it would catch fire. 
and the impact upon my head and brain were multiple G-forces. My brain literally cracked and bled inside my skull. I made a futile attempt to regain control of my vehicle as my car slid sideways down the interstate, with cars in the remaining lanes traveling by me at highway speeds, veering around me to avoid hitting my car and me. And it was during this time, as my life hung in the balance, that I prayed. Prayed hard, prayed out loud, talked, and I promised God that if I were blessed to live and survive, I'd spend the rest of my life helping others. And that's the story you're going to hear today. She made that bargain with God that day. Hey, Lord, if I can live, I'll spend the rest of my lives, my rest of my days serving you. We have the opportunity today to have in studio with us today, United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Karen Mertes. She's got an organization you're going to want to find out more about. FulfillYourDestiny.org is where you can find out more about them. FulfillYourDestiny.org. And it's all about help. Well, I'm not going to tell you the story. You just need to hear the story. But it's helping each one of us to understand how how are people dealing with permanent traumatic brain injury? How are people, people are functioning daily in lives with, with brain injury that are caused by accidents and incidents. And Karen Mertes has her story to share and more about Fulfill Your Destiny. Karen, you were talking about that day. Your car is being pushed down I-75 in Brandon at an incredible rate of speed. Your car is a mess. What kind of a car were you in? I was in an Audi S4. So you weren't in a cheap little car. You were in a very expensive car designed to be driven on the Autobahn. Well, yes, and you know, it's a very heavy vehicle. I think it's a two-ton vehicle, and it's equipped with the safety features and and things like that. But it didn't didn't have that, uh, 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 what, the force field around it, though, to keep the drunk guy from hitting you. (laughs) Right. No, that's correct. So you're, you're, you're praying. Talk about that prayer. You know, would you consider that a bargain with God? Or, or were you, before that moment, were you an avid Christ follower before that moment in your life? You know, I, I'm going to say yes to that. Uh, you know, I am a Christian, and I'm a spiritual person. And the way that I think, it's as if I'm having a constant communication, a constant dialogue in my head with God. So it was a very natural thing for me to do You know, at any point. It's just it was with more intensity, more emotion. Because uh, right after the impact, of course, you start to have the adrenaline surging through the body, the cortisol, you know, various things like that. And I was frantic because the sliding and the trying everything to steer and to brake and nothing was working. And so I prayed and I asked God to s- save my life. And in return, I would spend the rest of my life helping and serving others. And then I continued because sliding three football fields lengths is a long time. And I said, God, I don't know what I would do. I've been serving in our United States Air Force for 18 years at this point. I'm a lieutenant colonel stationed at McDill. had planned to stay in for 30. So somehow that's not it. There's got to be something else. And I don't know what that is, but I promise that I'll be open to your guidance and your direction, and I'll try anything you lay before me. Well, based on what I've written or read, though, that you didn't know right up front that you wouldn't be able to go back and do your job. That's right. So why don't you talk a little bit, let's go backwards in time just a little bit before the 7th of February 2007. Talk about your storied career within the United States Air Force. What, what were you doing? You know, I had two career fields in my 20 years and 20 days, ultimately, of service. I started in military intelligence and had a number of positions there and did that for about seven years. And then I cross-trained into the comptroller career field, which is a a combination of financial management and budget. 
And the position that I hold most dear is that of squadron commander. And I was blessed to have that twice in two back-to-back squadron command positions, one stateside and one at an overseas base, where I was also the chief financial officer of a $169 million budget. Petty cash. (laughs) I had a $169 million budget once, but yeah, it just, it wasn't enough. (laughs) I needed more. You know, and they throw those millions around like they're just, I mean, nothing. They just, you know, it's just an amazing thing. Yet you guys are, are accountable for those kind of, that's a lot of budget. I mean, how many people were represented by that budget? I mean, how many people were serving underneath that $170 million? Yes, I had a squadron of about 75 people, uh, both military professionals and civilians and, and a few contractors. And I was responsible literally for their lives and their careers. And I took that you know, obviously very, very seriously and made sure to take very good care of all of them. You loved what you did. Yes, I did. One of the things, as I read after the accident, you realized you couldn't, you know, complete complex calculations in your head anymore. That's right. That's right. Talk about what were you doing complex calculations of? You know, I, at the time of the collision, I was stationed at MacDill Air Force Base serving in the United States Special Operations Command in uh, an area that required several layers of security for me to actually even get to my office. And I had multiple computers, depending on the level of classification that I was working on. And the the day, the morning after the crash, this is gonna sound really funny, but I recognized my computer on my desk and I knew it needed a password and I remembered it, which is great after being in shock and, and, and this type of collision but I didn't know how to turn it on. Mm. Today we're talking with United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Karen Mertes about her traumatic brain injury, permanent traumatic brain injury, and how the Lord is using that to do incredible things. And just stay in this. If you're just tuning in right now, you're going to need to hear the beginning of the show. You're going to have to go back and you get to go back and listen to the archive, as Martha would say. Talk, Talk to me, Karen. So you're in, you're in the hospital. And you just said right before the break, okay, you are, you remember your password to your computer. Yes. I can't remember. Did you say that on the air or was that in between? You said it on the air. Okay. And, but you don't know how to turn your computer on. Yes. So some things were impacted by your, the bleeding in your brain. Yes. So talk to me about the process of how, how many months were you in the hospital? Well, actually, Jim, I need to point out, I declined and turned away the paramedics at the scene of the collision. Because I am a trained military officer and a squadron commander, and we are trained to fight until we are dead. So you pulled out the invincible card and said, I'm invincible. No, I just relied on my training and somewhat took control of the scene. I had to secure, make sure my vehicle was secure. The gentleman, what happened after I finally did come to a stop after sliding those three football field lengths, about 800 feet, Uh, A truck, you can think of it as a local moving type of truck that size, uh, stopped ultimately behind me. And it was terrifying at first because I just saw these headlights bearing down on me. And I didn't know whether he or she would see me. And I had at that point a decision to make. Should I get out of the car and try and run? And I looked to my left and there were two lanes of traffic and the median and then the other side. And looked to my right, one lane of traffic and the shoulder. And I had my door, my hand on the door to get out of the car. And just at that moment, he, he did thankfully stop. And so he was then on the phone calling for the police and the paramedics. 
And at the, when the, the paramedics did get there, I declined in writing, had to do it in writing, and did it three times. And I said, no, I, you know, I'm active duty military. I have to go see them and report it to them. Uh, I'm not going to go right now. And I said, you know, if if I let you take me, where would you? What would you do with me? And they said, well, since you you're complaining of head pain and neck pain, protocol is to tape you to a backboard and take you to the nearest facility. And I'm thinking, you know, no, I I, I got to do it differently. So no, I'm not going. Now I I wrote a book. It's called Plaintiff 101: The Black Book of Inside Information Your Lawyer Will Want You to Know. I talk about all of this in in the book and detail all the things I did wrong as part of my story, my, my litigation process. And that's one thing I did wrong, is not taking the medical care at the scene of the crash. They did take my blood pressure, and my top number was 240. Had I known then what I know today about blood pressure, I would have gotten on that backboard. But I, I didn't, I attribute, I knew that was double of what, you know, it's supposed to be, but I had just survived this absolutely hellacious high-speed collision. I it chalked it up to that. And, you know, the bottom number was equally bad. So um, we, I use that as a lesson, you know, both if, if it, God forbid, should it ever happen again, but also I tell everybody openly about that and all the other things along the way that I did wrong in hopes of preventing others from making similar mistakes. And we'll talk about your book after the bottom of the half hour, because it sounds like it's something that people really need to know as a resource. Because here in Tampa Bay, really anywhere in the country where there's a lot of people, which is all along the coast, there are traumatic, crazy car wrecks. Well, we saw a five car wreck on the way to the show today. I mean, it just stuff like that is happening all the time. And the drunk driving incidences don't seem to go away, even though they've been talking about it now 40 or 50 years. Yes. So after the crash, so what did you do? I, you know, stayed there until the police uh, came as well, and two state troopers came. One ultimately stayed with me, and one went back those 800 feet to visit with the, you know, now that we know drunk driver, didn't know it at that moment, uh, and he complained of um, knee pain at the scene of the crash, and so they did take him. He put him in an ambulance, and I walked back to where he was, and uh, by the time I got there, he was in the ex, uh, in the ambulance being taken off to the, the nearest facility. And he, I was told, denied taking a breathalyzer at the scene of the crash. So the state trooper said, I need to go to the hospital and have them draw blood. And then, you know, shortly th- later, my husband came and, you know, took me home. Hmm. So let's fast forward. You go home. I mean, when did you find out that things were really a lot worse than you thought? Yes. Uh, it was about 10 days out. Um, I mean, all the way along, but I'm explaining it away. You know, I was in this horrible crash. I'm you know, probably in shock. I did go to the clinic the very next day, reported it to them. And of course, they yelled at me very strongly because they said, you know, A, why didn't I go get the medical treatment immediately? And B, what had I been doing since the night before? And I thought it was an odd question. I said, well, I laid down. I tried to sleep. He didn't sleep a wink, you know, et cetera. And they said, well, do you know, just in the act of laying down, you could have had a hairline fracture in your neck and you could have paralyzed yourself. Thankfully, you know, I didn't, but you know, that's again, we, we all have to get checked out when something happens to us. So definitely take the medical care <laughs> when it's offered. So, but, uh, you know, I had a hor- horrific headache, which 
persisted for 18 months. And it was such a strong, it was on the back of back right side of my head that you could put your hand back there and you could feel heat radiating out of, out of my head. And it was just absolutely, you know, horrific headache. But to answer your original question, Jim, it was about 10 days out when it was a weekend and I was sitting on the couch and my husband and I were talking about 0.4 of 40% of 200. I don't remember why it was that specific of an example, but that, that was the discussion. And I used to be this human calculator and where I could do things like that in my head very, very quickly. And here I got stuck with the point. You know, I could translate 40% into 0.4 and I could, you know, times, you know, the old styles, the little X times 200 and, you know, 4 times 200 is 800. But the 0.4, what do you do with the point? I couldn't, couldn't calculate it. And my husband is a brilliant individual and very skilled at research. And he went on the computer and he came back a short while later and he said, you know, honey, I don't want to alarm you, but I think you have what's called a closed head injury or traumatic brain injury. And my immediate response was, oh, no, I don't. And my second response is, I can't have that. I'm active duty military. That sounds like something that would prevent me from finishing my career. I better not have that. And then I took the sheet and he had printed off the symptoms and there were, I think, 20 and I had 19 of the 20. It was very sobering. And I sat there for a moment and I said, all right, let's say I have this. Can you help me? And what, you know, what do we do? And what we did is we used the PIP money as part of our insurance to get an appointment with a neurologist. And I did see her at the 21 day point post-accident, post-injury, and she diagnosed a traumatic brain injury, closed head injury, my husband was right, uh, along with post-concussive syndrome, meaning I suffered a concussion at the scene of the crash. Which, which is a bruising of the brain. Yes, and it didn't heal uh, correctly, you know, because I actually had uh, the, the two areas that were bleeding, and they uh, destroy brain cells and cause uh, uh, claw, well, uh, scarring scar tissue. And so uh, the brain cells don't rejuvenate, but the neurons, um, the other neurons take over. And so that's why people can relearn things after an injury. Uh, and the brain, brain wants to heal. The brain wants to be well. The brain wants to have us all functioning to our, our peak, if you will. And so that then began the, the long journey from the damage that was done and the impairments to relearn certain things and, uh, you know, continue on. You mentioned, though, that your head, 18 months out, was still burning up hot. So there was nothing they could do to relieve that pressure inside your head? No, the, the headache just had to somewhat subside on its own. And it's something that I have today, not to that intensity, uh, but I can feel it depending on how hard I push myself on any given day, how hard I, how hard I think, if you will. And, uh, and it has to do with, too, proper water hydration, enough sleep, enough rest, which is different from sleep, proper nutrition. So you had some decisions to make, and you realized that being a United States Air Force a lieutenant colonel wasn't going to be. You, you weren't going to get your last 10 years. You know, uh, the decision really was made for me, not even so much by me, in that uh, when the military... 
learned of the traumatic brain injury, there's protocol for phasing the person for convalescent leave to, you know, which is the equivalent to our sick, you know, sick leave, mm-hmm. and then phasing me back in to work, you know, gradually. And so I had um, two weeks of half time after t- I had 12 days convalescent leave. Then I had two weeks half duty, three weeks three quarter duty, and then back to full duty. And it was at that point when we, myself included, had it explained to me that I was not performing at the same level that I was pre-crash. And at first, you know, my coworkers and and superiors, supervisors are supportive because everybody has the goal of the traumatic brain injured person, you know, me in this case, of getting back to pre-injury state. But that almost always is not possible as much as the person may want that. And so when we all realized that wasn't going to happen, the support waned because now you have, you know, my coworkers are having to pull a little extra weight because I am not performing to the same level. Right, right. Karen, we've we've talked a lot about the injury. We've talked about how your career ended at the United States Air Force, but the Lord had something incredible. Um, in store for you. Fulfill your destiny is really the incredible gift and miracle out of all this horrible stuff that's going on in your life. Talk to us about, no, no I forgot, Connie, I'm sorry. Connie, we're going to go back. I'm going to step back. I want you to tell us that stuff, Karen, but I want, we brought Connie Smith in here. Now, Connie Smith is a new member of the I Work For Him team. She's our brand ambassador, and she is now talking about I Work For Him all over Tampa Bay and around the country, getting advertisers and people involved with our show so we can help grow the show in 2017 from sea to shining sea. Connie is also the one who introduced me to Karen said, Hey Jim, here's a lady. I heard her speak. You need to have her on the air. Connie Smith. Tell me why. Well, welcome to I work for Is it your first time on the air, Connie? It is Jim. I hear you every day. So now I'm in the studio. It's kind of weird sitting on the other side. You know, yeah. And it's disappointing because I'm not getting text messages from you during the show. <laughs> Talk to me about what was it about Karen's story that you thought everybody listening on I Work For Him needed to hear? Well, it was three years ago, and I went to a local networking meeting here in Tampa Bay, and I heard Karen speak. And her story really resonated with me because I have a very close family member who has a traumatic brain injury, and we're focusing on trying to get back to day-to-day life and having purpose and just her experience was just so inspiring to see that you can go from having a tragedy and turning it around and sharing the gift that God has given you with other people. I had the opportunity to actually sponsor one of their annual events, which is their charity that they do every year at Fulfill Your Destiny. It's an amazing opportunity for people in the community to support Fulfill Your Destiny. And this last year, the last two years, they've actually given a car away to a recipient, which is so exciting because it, it gives people an opportunity to see that there is a light out there and people really do care in our community. I love that, Connie. Thank you so much for that. When we come back at the at, right before the end of the show, you're going to hear more from Connie and her passion for helping us grow. I work for him across the country. Karen, back to you. 
you've started, the Lord led you to start this organization called Fulfill Your Destiny. What is that all about? Well, you know, I'm honoring my promise that I made at the scene of the crash, and I didn't know it then when I made it, but that was the genesis of Fulfill Your Destiny. And what makes Fulfill Your Destiny unique is that I don't take a salary. Nobody affiliated with the organization does. I personally pay all the costs, uh, administrative and other costs, that are required to operate it. And then I donate an additional 10% to all incoming donations in honor of the donor, giving them an immediate 10% return on their charitable investment. So 110% of dollars raised goes towards programming and helping people in our community. Not a penny is spent on anything else. I don't know of any other organization that does that across our whole country that's organized that way. I raise money in 25 different ways in 13 unique categories. The 13 are all listed in detail on the fundraising tab at fulfillyourdestiny.org. And, and then the full 25, if you will, if you look at the Entrepreneurial Partnerships tab under the Community Partners area on the website, you get the full picture of all the different ways. But what I wanted to do was offer services, professional services, speaking engagements, consulting, products, books, and various things, sponsorships, offer people things of value for their financial donation. Let's talk about the mission of fulfill your destiny what, what you are trying to do because this is specifically to to help people who have permanent traumatic brain injury you know actually it's twofold there's okay. a signature program that i've come up with which awards business builder grants to local entrepreneurs that have had some life-changing event that kind of makes them an entrepreneur to take them to the next level and that has been a very popular program. The community is embracing that. A number of companies are coming on board to sponsor that. And so it's getting money to the entrepreneurs so they can further themselves and therefore also give back to our community as well. So these are people who have had permanent traumatic no. brain injuries or been no. impacted by that? No, no not at all. Okay. No, these are just local business people, entrepreneurs that lack the financial resources to take them to the level they want to go and they would benefit from a financial grant to do that. Okay. And so that's that's the signature program. Now, the overall mission of Fulfill Your Destiny is to help people whose careers have been impacted by injury or some other unforeseen circumstances, again, with a financial aid of some, some sort. And special consideration is given to survivors of a traumatic brain injury. That all is kind of a, a mouthful and, you know, maybe even a little bit murky, which is why I came up with the signature program. People understand getting a grant, getting financial help to entrepreneurs. Now, I am the example for traumatic brain injury, both sur survivors and families, of what's possible. And so that's why I tell the story as frequently as people want to hear it in hopes of inspiring those that may have the injury, and explaining a little bit how important it is to constantly focus on looking ahead and embracing the new you. Don't look back. Don't try to go back to the old you, either you personally as the injured person, me, uh, or the family, because what's behind you to a large extent is probably lost and will not come back. And so just keep looking, looking forward and what, what, where you can go. 
We're talking today with Karen Mertes. She has gone through an incredible experience, and you really need to find out more about her story. You can find out more about her, more about her story online at fulfillyourdestiny.org, fulfillyourdestiny.org. There's a lot of people listening today that are saying, hey, my family's been impacted by permanent traumatic brain injury. Uh, Somebody in my family, just like Connie just shared, somebody in her family. This is just all about it. This, I work for him is all about equipping people to to really know how to bring their faith to another level in their workplace. And we're surrounded by people in our workplace, whether our workplace is in a neighborhood, in a church, in a, in a, in a business, wherever it may be, no matter what it is, we're, we're surrounded by people who have things that have really impacted them in it. Well, what would people would naturally think a negative way, but God always seems to work things together for good for those who love him. So, how do we, how should people be responding? Like in your instance where you came back and you realized I can't do my job anymore. How can, how did your friends react and how can you help us react in a positive way? Well, uh, you know, my friends, uh, and coworkers and such, I don't know anybody that I knew before the crash because people lose 90% uh, of brain injured people lose their friends, their family, mm. their support structure around them uh, over time. And it boils down to the fact that we all want the person to go back to the per- the way they were before the injury. And when people begin to understand that that's never going to happen, many of them can't deal with it. And so from a personal example, my mother uh, and I our relationship suffered greatly and we had been best friends at one time but my mother said my personality changed after the crash in such a way that she didn't like me anymore mm, that had to be horrible to hear yes she loved me you know I'm, and I'm an only child she loved me I'm her daughter but she no longer liked me and we were like I said at one time best friends now I have a positive side to that in that my husband, we had been married for four years at the time of the collision, and next month we're celebrating our 14th year anniversary. My husband had the complete opposite effect. He said, you know, I loved you, and that's why we got married, but I love you more, and I didn't think that was possible, but I do, in part because of the changes. Hmm. So it's all how people are able to accept and embrace the changes. But there were changes, and that's a fairly normal thing. When somebody has a brain injury, there's a there's serious potential for personality characteristic kind of changes. Yes. So talk to me about your day-to-day ministry. There's a lot of people going, what, what can fulfill your destiny? How can I learn from what fulfill your destiny is, is teaching? I mean, what are some of the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis to touch the community? Well, I am a professional speaker, and I'm happy to speak to just about any organization that would like to have me. I do get calls from both brain-injured people as well as family members, caregivers, usually a couple times a month, and wanting to you know, ask questions since uh, February of 2017 will be 10 years for me post-injury. And you know, the research shows that 85% of healing takes place in year one, approximately 15 year, 15% in year two, and then a small residual between three and five. That's what the research shows. I'm here to say that, it, like I said, it's almost 10 years out, and I still see small gains 
you know, not necessarily daily, but small gains point, you know, pointing forward. So I will never give up on properly taking care of myself and, and keep trying to adapt is the best way. Jesus said he came to restore all things, and that's what he's working on in your life. We're talking today with United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Karen Mertes. And she's got an organization called FulfillYourDestiny.org, FulfillYourDestiny.org, where you can get involved and you need to check it out on the website. But we're hearing a story of how her permanent traumatic brain injury impacted her life, and she's now using that experience to impact the lives of others. And we'll be back with Karen in just a second. We've got Connie Smith with us in the studio today. Connie Smith is the newest addition to the I Work For Him team. Connie is our brand ambassador, and she's going to be promoting I Work For Him around the country and grabbing national sponsors, national advertisers that want to join us in this workplace movement to impact our workplaces. Connie, welcome back. Thanks, Jim. What's one thing you want people to know about you and how they can get a hold of you to be part of I Work For Him? Well, I am looking for businesses that are share our vision that the workplace is your mission field. We're looking for people that share the vision and they want to seize the opportunity to advertise with our show because we have an amazing, dedicated, and loyal audience. But we're ready to expand beyond Tampa Bay. So we're looking for people that share that vision and just want to go hand in hand with us as we go nationwide because it's an amazing ministry. We have amazing guests and it's it's amazing. I know amazing is the word. It's amazing. Amazing. It's amazing. I want to get the word out. (laughs) If you want to meet the amazing Connie Smith, just email her Connie at IWorkForHim.com. Connie at IWorkTheNumberForHim.com. And or you can get a hold of us on anywhere on the website, IWorkForHim.com. We'll get you in touch with her. We're looking for people that want to partner with us and expanding this message from sea to shining sea. Karen. When you give this speech, when people read your story, when people hear your story, how do they react? You know, many people say it was a miracle that I survived. The state trooper at the scene, when he looked at the crunched in back end and, you know, going forward to the engine compartment, he said he's not really seen anybody get out of a car and walk away that looked that bad. Some people cry when they hear me speak, and I always say, you know, please allow me to get you through it. I'll bring you to it, but I'll get you through it on the other side in a positive way. And I always leave them in a, in a good place. And others say it makes them believe or believe even more in God's grace. Mm. So these last 10 years that you'll celebrate, I don't know if it's celebration, but the anniversary of February 7, 2017, how, when you look at the impact of this permanent traumatic brain injury on your life, and your walk with the Lord, how has it impacted? How has this impacted your faith? You know, it's really incredible when any one of us encounters something uh, difficult and we come through it, we come through it stronger in all aspects and definitely in our faith is one of them. You know, it wasn't that way necessarily in the beginning. I had a lot of anger surrounding the crash at the fact that it happened you know, we could say, you know, that did God allow it? Did he cause it, so to say? Because he knew, you know, he, right. he knows everything, right. right? When you start open the show, Jim, I was thinking it, it's a ve- God used this as a vehicle. It's kind of a pun, right? Um, as a way to have me begin Fulfill Your Destiny, share the message across the nation and be able to financially help a lot of people in the Tampa Bay community and, and just be hopefully a, a bright spot. And an inspiration. Have you ever been able to connect with that 21-year-old that hit you? You know, no. 
No, in fact, he fled the state. It, it takes four months in the state of Florida for the blood alcohol results to come back. Fled the state, was a fugitive from the law for five years. And uh, the short version is I was able to get him, you know, uh, brought back. He stood trial and received uh, the punishments in accordance with, with, with the law. Which are pretty minimal, I know. Yes. Yes, that's true. What's one thing, last thing you want people to know about Fulfill Your Destiny really quick? You know, I'd love for everybody, all the listeners, to go out to fulfillyourdestiny.org and just see if there's ways that I can help them or perhaps they be- can become part of what the, the hero mu- movement, hands eagerly reach out to help others and just connect you know, with me that way. And for all the listeners that unfortunately didn't win Plaintiff 101, if they'd kindly go out to Amazon, it's available in paperback, Kindle, and audio, and all the proceeds are donated directly to Fulfill Your Destiny, which enrich and, and help our Tampa Bay community. United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Karen Mertes, thanks so much for being on I Work For Him today. Thank you, Jim. You know, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, just a reminder, as we look at the impact on the lives people are being impacted by incredible things all over our world and and this kind of traumatic injury an incident an accident like this leaves a mark yet you and i as christ followers in the workplace are a light place and not everybody who has an accident like this has the are already christ followers they may be looking for an answer why did this happen to them you and i have an opportunity to minister to them not necessarily feed a lot of words to them but to serve them as they're recovering and give an opportunity to share what jesus has done in your life you may be that light that they need you've been listening to i work for him with your host jim brangenberg i'm a christ follower and i work for him